Welcome to Know What I Mean. My name's Oscar. My name's George. And in this week, the quote that Oscar chose led us to discuss the inextricable connection between birth and death, our enjoyment of graveyard walks, and the inevitable heat death of the universe, and what that means for you. <laughs> Let's get into the episode. So the quote for this week is by Rebecca Solnit. The future is dark, with the darkness as much of the womb as the grave. Yeah, this is from a book called Hope in the Dark. And Hope in the Dark is, I think, one of my top five books. I really wasn't expecting it. It's, it, it's around activism and how hope is a necessary part of successful activism, basically. So dealing with really difficult things and having a sense of hope. And it was one of those books where I... Yeah, half the book is underlined because the amount of quotable content is unreal. Like it's so, it's such high, it's a very small book, but the quality of it is so high. And I thought of it last week and I did actually pick this quote um, <laughs> at the end of last uh, episode, very last minute, but I was really intrigued by it. I stopped it when I was, I was looking through quotes and it just, drew me in i think there's something very intriguing about it and i guess afterwards i've been reflecting on why why that may, might be there's something very mysterious about it i guess it talks about darkness it talks about the womb and the grave these are like very evocative words and like really powerful you know you've got like birth and death and there's a sense of danger in there there's a sense of yeah mystery like lack of clarity you can't actually see if this is the end or if it is the beginning and I think that that's what hooked me into it really was just this it's more of an emotional response to it of just like wow that's really quite poetic what I've connected to it in the last week of writing notes is something we've talked about before quite a lot is this intuitive sense that I've got of the potential of suffering for change so this idea that the future is dark that there is suffering coming difficulty coming but that this difficulty is potential that it is the birthplace of something it, it also made me think of the saying you know it's darkest before the dawn yeah i don't know how much more i really want to say initially i i think because it's been quite an emotional feeling response to the to the quote i i in a way i think if i was to talk about my initial inspiration toward or or draw towards it i'd be over egging the pudding a bit so i just um i'm curious to to hear what you what you thought of it initially george mm. well i really agree with what you said about being poetic and evocative it does have a real earthy feel to it and what I like about it is that it feels like a, a realistic perspective. It's not some over-optimistic, things are all going to be fine, da, 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 the future will be bright, or some doom and gloom thing of, you know, society is doomed, everything's going to decay and die. It's kind of saying that the future is uncertain, and I think that's kind of, implied in the future being dark it has a double meaning it can be dark as in there are dark things coming or it can also be dark as in the unknown being in the mm. dark 
So the future is this unknown thing where there will be death and life. Those are integral parts of it. No one can predict when those things are going to arise, but that those things are, are certainties, that death implies life and life implies death, that these are just intrinsic parts of not just humanity, but reality itself, mm. how things are created and destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I was thinking in regards to it, my dad's side of the family is Swedish. So we, well, I went there a lot in my childhood and they have these really amazing forests there that are often incredibly old. And what you find in these forests is the floor is really, really mossy. And you've got a lot of these old tree stumps with fungus coming out of them. And it's just silent as well. It's so, so silent, these big pine forests and so yeah, because they're so old, the, what seems to have happened is it's become this space where life and death is kind of merged because you've got decay everywhere, but then you've got things growing out of the decay. You've got moss and mushrooms and and you can't really tell what you're standing on. You're hearing like crunches and it's all very soft and very silent and Obviously, you've got these live trees around you, but it's it's a really interesting space where mm. that distinction of life and death is blurred. Mm. And mm. it actually makes me think of this quote now that I'm looking at it, of like in not only in, in the way that I've just said, but also in the sense of this quote, as you talked about, the mystery of darkness, the, the unknown. There's mm. something very powerful, a bit scary, and... Mm-hmm mysterious about these sort of woodland spaces and i found that really interesting that connection Mm. because there's kind of some vulnerability in that in knowing that it's uncertain but that that bad things and good things are both going to happen and Mm. that you don't really know what's going to happen when but you know that these those are the things that make up life well i've often found it in doing like Buddhist rituals. I think of that as well, actually, in that, well, human beings have been doing like religious rituals for forever, basically. But again, I think it evokes this, this sense of, it's really not as black and white or clean cut as you're comfortable with. That's the sense I've got from it. If I'm doing a Buddhist ritual, Mm -hmm. you're evoking this symbology and imagery and, and it's quite haunting and and strange and it's not really an affirmation or something that you're you're really trying to visualize the the positive the utopia the what's mm-hmm. so great and what's going to happen and all this mm-hmm. it's it's much more deeper and more mysterious than that space so mm-hmm. you're actually evoking and inviting into you know in in amongst the candles and the chanting and buddhist imagery and all this you're evoking the uncertainty and like flux of life mm-hmm. and it's non-rational in a way it's not like you're trying to figure out oh this is what this means and i've got it all categorized in my head because it's beyond that kind of categorization Mm -hmm. and that's what is i think is being touched upon in this quote again with the darkness is is that it's the mind or it's thought that wants to 
really cleanly define life and death and make sure that it's on the side of life and and try and engineer life around mm -hmm. growth and as opposed to decay and all these things and it it can be very clean this kind of separation but in reality that isn't um, as soon as thought dies down mm. and you go into this space of, of, well, in this case, like chanting and, and this ritualistic aspect, then what you're left with is something a lot more murky and powerful, actually. Mm. Because you're, you're not trying to just have one side of the coin through it. It's not like this, this super positive thinking of like, I only, I'm only going to accept good things in my life and never accept the bad. Mm. Those things sound great in theory but they're not as whole and complete as life is and a lot mm. of the times those things can be neglected and and pushed away but that life and death are two sides of the same coin and that one needs the other and yeah. that you can't have the pain without pleasure or vice versa and one thing i think is that the darkness that's talked about in this quote I see that as like the transition from one state to another. Mm. It's more like a wheel. So you've got the dark end and the light end and life and death are both at this dark end. They meet together, you know, in the circle. So they're mm. both kind of in the same phase of the circle next to mm. each other. Mm. That's how I see mm. it. It made me look up a, a Bible verse, actually. Till thou return unto the ground, for out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Hmm. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. What made, what made you think of going to the Bible I was, for something? I was, so I was thinking of, of ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Hmm. That saying isn't, from what I understand, isn't a direct quote from the Bible. It's kind of inspired and adapted from this passage here and this quote made me think about that of how well in, in the biblical sense we are we come from dust and that's what we return to and that the essence of us that we need we almost need to give way to new life our being and our energy there's only so much that can that can exist and that that we need to give way and let other organisms use these resources and have this chance to to be alive and that mm. that is the the transition state of the the darkness and the dirt which we transition through into becoming flowers and mushrooms and trees and people mm. Mm. yeah it's a really nice image that decay leading to life and I'm really enjoying talking about it, I think, because it, it's not something that we, yeah, as you, as you mentioned earlier, I think it's in a hope to avoid having to consider death and consider the end of things. We actually mm -hmm. cut off a huge part of life. You know, a huge part of existence mm -hmm. is decay and the end. I mean, it's it because it, we're dualistic, you know, like what, starts must end it's it's like a you know it's like the relativity of of things and because we're so desperate to not think about the end of things because it's painful we we don't have conversations like this but it's there's something mm. very um 
humbling i think about mm. thinking about it it feels really good mm. to talk about it and consider it actually mm. Because it makes you feel more connected to life, I think, because mm. it is part of life, but something that now we can become quite disconnected to, mm. even through through death and how our, our culture deals with death. It's something that's treated very differently in different societies. Recently, my my grandpa passed away. And when I was at his funeral, I remember thinking like this, this seems so disconnected from life the way that people are, are preserved in a coffin or with a tombstone i remember particularly i used to always walk around a, a graveyard in my morning walk and i thought it, it was such a great way to start the day to kind of contemplate life and death every every morning mm. and it really struck me as kind of backwards or or just somewhat somewhat tragic and missing the point to mm. have these tombstones where the, the idea of a tombstone is something that's going to last for a long time you're mm. trying your best to cling on to memory and to you know this person was here this person is still here this is how these atoms belong to them mm. and it just it just seemed kind of like a, a misunderstanding of life to see, you know, graveyards full of headstones. And you can see that eventually they will all crumble. Mm -hmm. And there, are, there were many that were getting overgrown and you couldn't read them anymore. Mm. And it seems like, well, if you can't immortalize someone, which you can't spoiler alert <laughs> then it makes sense to to kind of give give them up and and let them go back back to the world and still appreciate them and their the the echoes of them will live on through the people that they've connected with those as we talked about in the last episode i think how these connections can go from one person to another that the the energy that was in that person will will transfer has transferred onto all the people they touched in their life and and that piece of energy will kind of transfer out so they they are still part of life in that way and i, mm. I think that there's a lot more we could do in this culture to get closer to death and have a, a closer less sanitized relationship with it yeah yeah, 100%. I've walked around graveyards a fair bit. I was living quite close to one in the Buddhist community I was in. We were like around the corner from one conveniently. I loved walking around it for the, even seeing the decaying tombstones. I was thankful to be able to see the record of people that will now that those ripples, you know, they don't, they don't stop, you know, those ripples, but mm -hmm. the, any connection you could have made at one point will now have stopped mm -hmm. you, you you're not going to be able to trace their that person's effect you know if they're from 1870 but mm -hmm. you've got these tombstones which are really old and decaying and it's just to look at them and think you know every single one of these people lived and died and was the center of their universe and 
just as I feel like I am the center of the universe and it all revolves around what I'm doing. And there's something so humbling about that experience. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, I understand the desire to have some, you know, something you can go towards and mourn to and, you know, have that symbol of, of the person, you know, I understand that. But in terms of our culture's denial of death or endings, overall it is such a wasted opportunity the majority of the people who've gone to india for length of time will have seen a corpse you know their whole culture is so different in regards to that there and i can only imagine that their appreciation and understanding of life is enhanced by that openness about death Mm. seeing the impermanence of life that's definitely the moments where you really reflect on things is when you see that impermanence more fully, you know, when you really, even when you're scared, you know, you're scared that someone's, you might have had your own near death experience or someone, you know, has like my dad had a car crash a few years ago. That was just quite miraculous how he managed to get out of it, to be honest. And I think it's just a, it's incredibly shocking, but like it really shakes you awake to reflect on what is actually going on in life. Well, this quote, you can kind of experience it on lots of different timescales because at least for me, not knowing the context of the book, just saying the future can encompass, you know, such a range of timescales. It could be the next moment if you're just thinking about living in the present moment the future is in the next moment is unknown but there's you don't know if there's going to be pleasure or pain in the next moment mm. and it's cool how this quote works on all these different time scales because the use of the grave and the womb are not literal in this quote but they really embody a feeling and a truth about the world mm. there were a few other examples that i was thinking of it applying to like the human species how us creating machines and artificial intelligence how perhaps that may end up being the death of humans they may end up taking over and humans will be gone as we know them but that this as well as being the death would also be the start and the birth of something new either Mm. some new technological being or it could just be that the cities and structures that humans have created are reclaimed by the wilderness Mm. and i ended up getting pretty deep on this and i went (laughs) to think about it in terms of the universe and how this quote could apply to that and there seems to be a few different theories of how the universe will end or what is going to happen ultimately but the the most common theory at the moment is the idea of a heat death which is due to entropy essentially all of the matter in the universe just spreading out with as the universe is ever expanding things becoming further and further apart and the energy just ever decreasing until it's just and the time scales about of this are just insane insanely long but things will just get super cold and 
there will be very little energy moving around in the universe. And here's a little bit that I clipped from Wikipedia that just kind of I found quite mind-blowing to think about. Presumably, extreme low-energy states imply that localized quantum events become major macroscopic phenomena rather than negligible microscopic events because the smallest perturb- perturbation, because the smallest perturbate, Jesus, that's a hard one to say, because the smallest perturbations, right, that'll, that, that'll have to do, make the biggest difference in this era. So there is no telling what may happen to space or time. What do you take from that? Yeah. Well, it seems like the eventual heat death of the universe could very well lead to this this space where some crazy quantum events can happen, which through quantum tunneling, which I literally just know the name of, (laughs) could potentially flip and invert things from it being an insanely low energy state to extremely high energy and this could be the birth of a new universe so even on this scale it seems likely that death will also lead to life Hmm. i feel like this is a quite appropriate time to go the complete opposite opposite end so we've gone quite far out here with the end and beginning of new universes yeah. i was i wanted to bring in a bit of personal experience into into this quote just because I, I thought of a particular experience that i felt was relevant to it and this is in relation to essentially bringing it back to the fact that the darkest times can have the most potential essentially what you assume maybe a grave turns out to be a womb and I was thinking, you know, questioning my life, like what's been my experience of that? And I think actually the, the strongest experience I've, I've had of that in recent years was me and my girlfriend and me breaking up. So a year and a half ago, roughly, essentially quite seemingly suddenly it became very apparent that the relationship uh, had to end. So we had been drifting for some time we were living together but it didn't feel particularly close and it I hadn't been willing I don't think either of us were willing to really reflect on what that meant in regards to the relationship we were just kind of going through the motions with it and just carrying on but quite suddenly uh, within the space of a few days I had this hot I think because I hadn't been willing to look at it properly I had this horrible realization that okay this this isn't sustainable this this has to end and it felt so strong as an experience, um, this sense of it needing to end that I ended it. And it was all very quick. So I was in a state of shock in regards to it. And of course, Emmy was as well. Like it was completely horrific. And the experience of it was just fucking horrible. Like, like I haven't, I really haven't experienced anything that horrible ever. Because it kind of felt like it was, it was an inevitability and it was kind of out of my hands in a weird way. And it just was like, I can't, like I was so full with anxiety and, and horror, I suppose, of, of having not been willing to look at that it wasn't working, that it came so suddenly that, that it happened very suddenly too. And I was just in a complete state of, state of shock. Like I wasn't eating after it happened and 
yeah, it was just just really, really horrible experience for both of us. As the next few weeks went, the breakup really, I think it was almost like a a bomb just got dropped in the middle of the relationship, essentially. It was just like such a, this turbulence, it just got completely blown to pieces and all of this stagnant energy just got totally uprooted with it in its suddenness and some of the assumptions that i had made about emmy and like what she was like and things would completely turned out to be very outdated and not correct you know as it turned out like i ended up being taken care of much more than the other way around because we were still in contact and i was completely broken whereas like emmy was really suffering but was ending up taking care of me which was just so um i was completely baffled by the kindness there considering that i just you know i was the one that ended it um and you know two or three weeks went by then we were talking more and more and decided that actually there was too much there to give up at that time but that we needed to really really slowly build again and how that looked was just being much more open with our communication when we were like struggling with things, when we weren't feeling like things were working properly. And it was a very like wobbly and like gentle treading back in and coming back together. And it was really, um, yeah, it's that, that continued and the insights that were gained from the whole experience of breaking up, I've, I feel of really like we're together now year and a half later and our relationship's really strong and a lot of the communication and things that happened during that really difficult end turned out to be the birth I think of a quite a different way of relating to one another and different way of communicating different relationship really and as painful and difficult as it was it seemed like that's what needed to happen at that particular time and yeah, it just really felt like one of those things where it's just like this This feels like a total ending and it turned out to be a womb of something new. Well, that's a beautiful place to move on to the next section, which is going to be me reading out the quote for next week. But before that, do you want to go through some of the other bits? That you can't remember. That I can't remember, yeah. <laughs> So this was actually something I wanted to record at the beginning and I just forgot, but it, it's, yeah, I really feel a lot of gratitude this week for our listeners. There aren't many of you as it stands at the moment, but we get a consistent amount of listens each week at the moment. And I feel like that's because people are consistently listening. I don't know because I can't see, but it's so lovely to have people mentioned that they are listening and appreciating the show and you know particularly with an episode like this like we're really going into depth and I feel very strongly connected to the whole experience of making the show and so to have people Mm. repeatedly showing up and 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 listening is just really meaningful so thank you for that if there's anyone that you can think of in regards to you know, the content on this episode, like, please just send it over to them and tell them why you think they'd appreciate it. And if you fancy contributing, then you could buy us a coffee and we'll put a link to our coffee account 
in the description of this episode. The quote for next week is, you can recognize a deep truth by the feature that its opposite is also a deep truth. And that is by Frank Wilksek. Hmm. Cool. So have you got any thoughts about the quote that you think we should mention on next episode, then send us a message on Instagram, which is knowwhatimean.podcast. And there's a link to our email address in the description. So thanks for watching and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. See you next week.